0: Perhaps you've heard of a MOG. Maybe you don't know what it is, but our next guest says this could be your survival tactic if you want to survive in the new changes that are coming in healthcare. Stay tuned for the next episode of PT Talker. This is PT Talker, presented by Advantage Medical. The aim of this podcast is to expose physical therapists to unique and innovative ideas to help grow their business. Each broadcast will introduce you to new concepts that will save you time, provide a better patient outcome, or lower your cost. And now, the host of PT Talker, Jeff Worrell. Well, a mog, a medically oriented gym. Our guest today is Mr. Russell Serto. He is a physical therapist and owner of the MOG at Grand Island Physical Therapy. He actually is a returning guest to PT Talker, was on the show in June or July, I guess, of 2011. A lot of water under the bridge. Uh, Russ, I guess, first of all, let's start with welcome back to PT Talker.
1: Jeff, sure, thanks for having me back. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Now, of course, you realize a lot of our listeners have no clue what a MOG is, but you um kind of stepped things up here recently when you wrote a letter to the editor that received a page and a half in the Impact magazine, which is the um, trade journal for the private practice section of the American Physical Therapy Association. You did that in the April edition, which is what caught my eye, and... Um, one of the pullouts is our experience has crystallized that medical fitness services and fitness club participation integrated with a physical therapy practice is not simply an add-on service. That kind of sets the tone. Um, you're saying MOG uh, is a survival tactic and should be a focus and emphasis for the modern PT clinic. Tell our listeners what you mean about that.
1: Well, initially, when we first spoke a few years ago, My survival technique at the time was I'm in New York State, so I had the lowest reimbursements in the country, and insurance companies were um, decreasing the amount of of visits that a patient would be allowed to have, and that's happened to everybody since I got into practice. That's been getting worse and worse and worse. But the fact that my average reimbursement is $47 a visit, I needed to create another revenue stream in order to make my business viable and survivable for the next, 15 or 20 years of work that I had to do. So in my town, we didn't have a fitness club, and I thought that we could build a fitness club as part of our practice and integrate my staff on the physical therapy side with a fitness staff that was a little bit more um, involved in with our patients and the membership than you would get at a typical fitness club, mm-hmm. meaning we only hire on our fitness side, exercise physiologists, a medical educated people who have an interest in, in fitness and exercise. So it could be a, a nurse who has um, an interest in exercise and fitness and some background in that as well. So we don't hire just a weekend trained personal trainer, uh, ex-athlete who likes exercise and gives out the same kind of exercise program that was successful for them. We wanted to use our expertise as therapists in rehabilitation to transition patients from the physical therapy side into the fitness side and then keep those people in our mod facility for the duration of their life to help them with lifestyle changes and to service them and come from a service standpoint, not a sales standpoint, in terms of managing those people on the mod side. So it increased our practice referral base by 22% in the first year, and it's maintained that kind of volume ever since. Um, there are other mods and we can talk about that as we go along but the other mods have experienced the same kind of growth somewhere between 20 and 35% increase in the referral base when they're starting to market their services to the physicians who already are sending them orthop that was the idea back then and it was an add-on survival technique and as healthcare has changed recently and every year it seems to be the new thing with the addition of the ACOs and now with the Affordable Care Act, um, there are opportunities within those structures that would um, enhance the delivery of physical therapy and medical fitness programming that is beneficial to the ACO organization or it, um, within the Affordable Care Act, there is a wellness provision for the insurance companies that participate in the Affordable Care Act. They have to provide a wellness component their insurance plan, and we can fill that niche very, very well.
0: Sure. So so even the ACOs are getting paid um, a certain – they're getting paid to control the patient, and they want to keep costs as low as possible. That wellness um, model that you seem to be following, it would seem like that would appeal to an ACO. Has that been the case in your area?
1: Um, we have just reached a point where we now have enough data in terms of outcomes of the patients referred to us and the members on our MOG side, the data shows that they're healthier people. We have recently um, had an opportunity to work with Blue Cross Blue Shield, and this is in a lot of our results are in the letter to the editor, but we were able to demonstrate a $4,000 per year per person savings in the total cost of care. So if you extrapolate that out over a thousand people, let's say, or even a hundred people, you're talking about a a considerable amount of savings that a physical therapy slash MOG facility could provide to an ACO.
0: And and let's give, um, just for our listeners' sake, let's give some real-world examples of what generated that four grand.
1: It, It was initiated by Blue Cross Blue Shield came to and myself and the physician owners of a family practice, we're in the same building. And we're separate businesses, but we work together. And they came up and said, look, we would like to find out if um, the intervention of the medical fitness component would actually, over time, save money. So what they wanted to do is pay for 120. Blue Cross Blue Shield patients to get some extra visits on the doctor's side with those visits being strictly about the fitness and lifestyle management conversations. And on the MOG side, they were paying for their membership in our fitness facility. Okay. And we already have a protocol for measuring specific things, BMIs, weight circumferences, uh, a sub-VO2 max number. So we have a way to measure fitness level. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, we could show the outcomes at the end of at the end of the 12-month period. What Blue Cross was going to do was they were going to measure the total cost of care, meaning not just their cost to come here and the cost to see the primary care doctor, but their x-rays or hospitalizations, readmissions, emergency room visits, all of their total cost of care for year. And they were going to compare what it actually cost for that twelve months versus the previous twelve months of that individual and they they compared it against what they predicted as their trend line. So that's what insurance companies do, right? They predict what the cost of care is going to be for their subscribers and that's how they set their rates. Mm -hmm. So they had a predicted cost for every one of these 120 people. So we followed them for a year and we did it in different timelines so we had a group of 50 in originally, and then a second group of 50 started six months later, and then a group of 20 started, you know, six months after that. So there are still that group of 20 are finishing their program. But at the end of the day, the the data shows that the ones that stayed in the program, and we had, um, I want to say, like 85% participation, so that 85% of all of those, people stayed in the program for the 12 months. There weren't that many dropouts. but when they calculated out, we saw that the BMIs were less, their VO2 numbers were better, their weight circumferences were lower, so all of those internal metrics, body metrics that you would measure were better. A1Cs were better, and then when the insurance company ran their analysis, they came up with, on average, you know, some were better, some were lower, but on average, we would save $4,000 per person who participates in our MOG program. Right. So we now have this number. We can go to the ACOs, and that's kind of what I was saying. We're now able to do this because we now have the right data. Right.
0: No, I know you've got the data, but um, give us an example of what generates a $4,000 savings, less intervention for diabetes, um, less medications. What are we talking about?
1: The big factor when Blue Cross presented the data to us, the big factor was, 70% 70% of the cost savings was in hospitalization dollars so that we either had, we, we assisted in um, patients being healthier, going into the hospital so that then maybe they didn't stay as long, or we prevented patients from having a heart attack or getting worse that their diabetes got bad and they ended up in the hospital. Whatever it was, the biggest cost savings in that group was a 70% decrease in hospital costs. There was a 20% change in, in the risk pool that the patient was in. So some of them started, if you think of a scale of one to five, five being the most unhealthy, most costly patients. We had 20% of our patients that were in group four, which weren't that most unhealthy, but they were pretty unhealthy, move from group four to group three. So we were able to actually move patients from a high risk to a less high risk group population risk. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm describing that right, but yeah. they're in a less risk pool than they were a year ago, yeah. 20% of them. So there's some cost savings there. Yeah.
0: That's got to be significant. Now, what do you, um, we're running short on time here, but what do you believe the um, pushback might be, or why isn't every physical therapy clinic becoming a MOG?
1: Um, I, I think part of it is, in thinking. They have to uh, change the culture within their practices. That's been a big thing with the we have 25 mod sites across the country now. So within those 25 sites, we've all experienced the same kind of staff pushback in our own little clinics. They're used to orthopedic cases, and now we're asking them to start doing referrals for diabetes and obese patients and blood pressure, uh, high blood pressure. Um, Parkinson's patients who need exercise. So Mm -hmm. we're asking a primary orthopedic trained therapist to become, you know, a little bit broader in scope with their practice. Um, The other pushback is, you know, outside of New York, there's pretty good reimbursements in in a whole bunch of states. Still, even though they think their reimbursements are coming down, they're they're pretty successful. They're operating really well. They're they're making money. They're profitable, and this requires time, effort, some expense. Um, some changes in your footprint, you need some more space. So there's some work involved in it. And if you have a well-oiled humming machine as a, you know, multi-site practice, you might look at this and say, you know what, I don't want to upset my apple cart. It's going pretty good. Right. I think, though, moving down the road, when things change, I think you better be able to provide more services, my opinion. You need to, as a physical therapy practice, you should be providing as many services as you possibly can so that you can almost be all things to everybody. Even though they say don't try to be all things to everybody, I think we need to be more things to more people than primary orthopedic, in nature, and private practice.
0: Right. And, and with a focus on that wellness side, trying to prevent some of this stuff from happening, looking at more than just the, the knee issue or the shoulder issue, but also my blood pressure and my weight and all those kind of things. Is that your main point? It is,
1: it is one of our points because we don't really know what came first. The the arthritic knee came first or the obesity came first? Did yeah. they have obesity, therefore the knee broke down, or did they have a bad knee, therefore they got obese? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All I know is we can make them better and healthier and we can save dollars in the healthcare care system.
0: Okay. Now, quickly, um, give us the stats. How many MOGs are out there? How does someone get um, get more information about a MOG? Let's, let's go there.
1: Okay. There's 25 different MOG sites. They go from the state of Maine all the way to Hawaii. We, um, within that group there's 15 our private practices. Two of them are hospital systems and um, we get calls all the time. We have a list of 15 or 20 right now that are, are looking at joining the group. It's called The MOG Group and we have a website themoggroup.com which you could go to and look at and there's a contact information if you want to get hold of me. You just that contact information, it lands at my desk. And the best thing you could do is just say you want to have a conversation with me, and we can talk about their practice, their vision of what they think they want to do, and I'll be honest with them and tell them if I think there's a fit between what they want and what we do.
0: Okay. So, Russ, you're the, you're the creator, the, um, the guy that put this all together. You're willing to share that. Um, obviously, there is an expense to do that, but you're willing to share it in order to generate more MOGs across the country. Yes, I would love to do that. Okay, all right. Very good. And for those of you that are just catching this podcast, as I said, uh, Russ was a uh, guest on PT Talker in July of 2011. So just go to pttalker.com, and you can search Certo or go down the right side, find his name as an expert, and you can listen to that podcast as well, where I'm sure there's very relevant and pertinent information when we spoke before. Russ, thanks for uh, joining us and sharing your information and for that um, provocative letter to the editor in Impact.
1: Okay, I'll talk to you in a couple
0: more years, Jeff. All right. Yeah. Well, let's not make it so long. It <laughs> seems to me with uh, the Affordable Care Act that we are marching towards this kind of a model much, much faster than um, maybe I sensed we were back in 2011 when we talked. Yeah. So, All right, you've been listening to Russ certo, who He is the owner of the MOG at Grand Island Physical Therapy in New York, and he has been our, our expert today where we try and bring you uh, some expertise to help you be a better physical therapist. Uh, stimulate some thought, new ideas, anything we can do to help you help someone get well today. Hope we achieved our goal. This is Jeff Worrell saying so long for now. PT Talker is a presentation of Advantage Medical, bringing you business news and ideas for therapists. Join us each week for new concepts to help you grow your rehabilitation business. To listen to previous episodes, visit us on the web at pttalker.com or on iTunes.